Girlfriends, episode number 236, three ways you are wasting your time and how to stop. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we are talking about those time wasters. Maybe you know them, maybe you'll be surprised. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Hope your week is going well. Always glad to have you join me here on the newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I love that you are a part of this community. If you are listening for the first time, you are a part of the community because you're listening. Welcome. I'm so glad you are here. And if you're a longtime, sometimes listener, welcome back. Always glad to have you connect with me in this way. So this week we are talking about time wasters. But before we get to that, and it's an important topic, I wanted to share with you this funny story because for me, it was kind of like a little, it was funny, um, but it also was a little reminder to perhaps not take myself so seriously. So this happened um, the other day. So a lot of us are taking our parenting quite seriously this these days, right? Because we're worried about what we're going to do about our kids schooling. I mean, we talked about that last time and whether or not um, we're going to make the right choice between homeschooling, sending them to school. We're worried about how that's going to affect their sports, their academics, their social life, our family life, all of these things and all of these things. I mean, I've been going through right along with you. I've been right there with you getting stressed out about all these little bits and parts of parenting. And, you know, it is important. It's an important job that we have. And so we it's good to take it seriously. But sometimes we do need a reminder to, to laugh a little bit and that maybe our kids are going to be okay. Um, so this isn't like a life-changing moment, but it was, it was funny to me. So I wanted to share it with you. So, you know, my youngest son, Danny, who is now 13, almost 14, if you can believe that, um, he and I were on the way to his flag football game. So some sports are happening here in New Hampshire. Little side note, <laughs> flag football is one of them. And they do a really great job. They Honestly, they do. So er, the games are just once a week. So they have a shortened schedule. The games are a little bit shorter. There's no high-fiving. There are no team huddles, that kind of thing going on. Um, and every week you have to fill out a questionnaire saying whether or not you've been out of the state, whether or not you've been around anybody who's got COVID or, you know, all of those regular questions. But also before they can even step on the field, um, the kids are, you know, given a health check. So they're asked the questions and then uh, they take their temperature, which I think is actually really fantastic, right? Because temperature is a really good way to monitor whether or not somebody is ill. So Anyway, so far, so good. There have been no incidents, but we do live way up here in the country in New Hampshire. So we haven't had um, many issues anyway. So Danny is playing flag football in this abbreviated modified season. And I was bringing him to his game last Sunday. And, you know, I've had all these schooling things on my mind. For sure, we're homeschooling Danny. And um, I was, you know, I was wanting to know how he felt about that. There also was um, an incident with uh, somebody who's close to him, uh, a a person that he's friendly with, who got into some trouble. And I wanted to check in with him about that. You know how it is with teenagers or preteens and just trying to, you know, he was about to go onto the field and get his physical temperature check. I was just doing kind of a social, emotional temperature check on my 
kid. And um, I, we went through this big, long thing. And I thought, well, this, you know, this situation with uh, somebody that he's close to is an opportunity for me to talk about these things, talk about the kinds of things, you know, he's a young teenager that he might be tempted by, things that might get him into trouble, you know, kinds of friends he should be looking for, kinds of friends he should be avoiding. And, and I was just... I mean, I was really making the most of our short ride to the field where he was going to play. Because, you know, if you're trapped in the car with your parent, it's a great, this is a, a pro tip for parents who aren't quite there yet or ones who are there. Um, car rides are great because you can talk about all these things and they are trapped in the car with you, <laughs> but not just trapped. Um, it's also private and there's less pressure on them because nobody has to be making eye contact. It's all right to be looking forward. And um, all of these are, are good tips for having sensitive kinds of conversations. And this wasn't extremely sensitive, but I felt like I really wanted to tell him certain things, um, talk about morals, talk about virtue, a, a lot of things I was packing into this conversation. So at the end of all that, I was like, okay, I, I would love to hear his feedback. So I paused and then there's like a little bit of silence in the car. You know, I had just given this big, long lecture, a little bit of silence. And I'm like, okay, he's processing, he's processing. And he's like quiet for a minute and kind of shifted in his seat. And he's like, well, um, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. I was like, okay, here we go. This is the thing. Okay. I'm so glad I'm doing this. Right. My, my kid, this is the thing he needs to ask me. Something's been on his mind. So I'm like, okay, yeah, what? And he's like, well, um, this week, do you think you could uh, try to get some video of my offensive plays? <laughs> I was like, oh, um, sure. <laughs> sure. I, I will, I will try to get some video of your offensive plays this week. Uh, you know, I, and this is so funny because it doesn't mean he wasn't listening to what I said. What it means and what I took away from it is he took it in. He didn't have much to add and he is not as stressed out about all of these things as I am. He's good. He's okay. And the, the funny little reminder where I was kind of jolted back to reality, like, hey, this kid is focused on his football game he's about to play in, right? Um, was It was great. It was such a gift to me because, first of all, it was hilarious, right? <laughs> all of it was funny. Um, but it kind of was a little reminder to me to not take myself so seriously. So if you are struggling with parenting decisions these days, if you are worried about choices you're making for your kids' futures, yes, these things matter. Yes, it is important to take these things seriously. But you know what? Remember my little conversation with Danny. <laughs> and you're going to have some version of that, even if it isn't quite so much in your face as that. Um, you're going to experience that with your kids, that you are taking this much more seriously than they are. And for good reason, and that is your role, but don't take it so seriously that you're going to drive you both up a wall and miss the fun of hanging out, watching them play a sport, you know, doing fun things together. So my little reminder from me, from Danny, <laughs> to you, okay? That's before we dive in this week. Hey, do you hear some birds? I am out at the Tiki Hut. I forgot to mention uh, it's going to be a very, very hot day here today. So I got up early and I'm outdoors to enjoy some outdoor time before the real heat sets in. And those of you in Texas and other such places are laughing at me in New Hampshire complaining about any sort of heat. But don't worry, I'm not complaining. I love it. And I love my Tiki Hut. So glad to be out here sharing today's topic with you, which is three ways you are wasting your time and how to stop. Let's see what this is about. Okay. So 
you know, we all know that we waste our time and probably you're thinking, oh, she's going to tell me to stop watching Netflix. I cannot stop watching Netflix. No, I'm not going to tell you that. Although you may be wasting your time watching Netflix and other such things. That's actually not, I, I picked three kind of major categories and things that maybe you're not thinking about necessarily as time wasters. Because when we talk about wasting your time, we're, you know, we kind of go into that mode of thinking about productivity, right? And what things you're accomplishing in your day and things that get in the way. But um, these things that I'm going to mention don't necessarily, well, the last one does, um, directly relate to your productivity. So the first one I want to talk about is worrying. Yes, you are worrying and it's a huge waste of your time. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your energy. And Jesus himself tells us not to do it, right? Let let me read you this passage. You know it. You know which one I'm going to read. From Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 27. Here we go. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Yeah, Jesus himself. I mean, could he be more clear? No, he could not be more clear. He doesn't want us to be worrying. He's telling us that it's a big, fat waste of time. And yet, how many of us do it? We fall into these bad habits of worrying. We don't listen to Jesus, or we hear that passage and we're like, yeah, but does he know about the thing, the thing that's going on? Like, does he know? Like, of course I'm worried about that. Of course I can worry about that. I can worry about this financial problem or my job or my kid and, or my health or my mother or, you know, whatever you're worried about. Um, he knows all about it. He does. And sometimes we convince ourselves. And maybe you don't pause enough to think this through. I do this all the time. Like you don't realize you're thinking something really dumb, like God doesn't know about this thing or God doesn't care about this thing or this thing is an exception to that thing that God said, right? No, it's not. (laughs) He told you not to worry. And, you know, sometimes I felt personally indicted by these words because they're, they're saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Well, how much of my day-to-day living as a wife and a mom is about precisely those things? These are the things that are occupying my time and energy and my concerns are like, uh, you know, going grocery shopping. What what meal am I going to make? Meal planning, making dinner, cleaning up after dinner, doing the laundry, making sure my kids have school clothes, you know, all of these things. These are the things we worry about, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. We're providing these things for other people. And yes, that's a good thing that we are doing. And yet God doesn't want us to worry about them. He doesn't want us to worry about those things of daily living. He doesn't want us to worry about anything. And, you know, there's so many like gems, like quotables inside of that short passage of scripture that Jesus himself says, like, you're not going to add to your lifetime by worrying. Worrying is not going to change anything. Um, I've shared this before on the show where I've heard once, and I don't know who to attribute this to, but I think it's a really helpful way to think about worrying, is that worrying is talking to yourself about things you cannot control, whereas prayer is talking to God about things he can control. That's a helpful way of kind of changing your perspective about it, right? Where 
worrying wastes your time. It's totally inwardly focused and you're not in control. If you're tempted to worry, that's human. That's normal. If you find yourself triggered to worry, and some people, your personality or temperament might be more leaning in that direction than other people. That's okay. God knows all about that. And he's going to work with you. If you are tempted to worry, let that be a trigger for you toward prayer, toward turning to God, toward trusting in God, toward saying those words, even if you don't yet feel it in your heart, saying those words out loud, Jesus, I trust in you. God, I know you got this. And, you know, of course, sometimes we're struggling. It's very human and God knows that. It's very human to struggle because, yes, okay, God, I know you got this, but I don't know yet exactly how you got this, how this is all going to work out for my good, how you are going to work all of these things together for my good. I don't see it. I can't understand it. And so I'm worried. You know what? Those words are actually a beautiful prayer. If that's where you are, bring that to God. Tell him you trust in him, despite the fact that you're worrying, despite the fact that you're tending to have anxiety. Bring that to him. Don't waste your time kind of going downward in this cycle of worry. And, you know, the other thing, worrying kind of fills that gap for us sometimes when, you, when there's a situation. Worrying can make us feel like we are doing something. But Jesus' reminder there that we're not going to, we're not doing anything when we worry. We're not adding to our lifetime. We aren't changing anything. Nothing good is coming out of that. That's such a helpful reminder because sometimes that fills in that space and, oh, I'm, I'm taking care of that problem or I'm responding to that issue. I'm worrying. It's very helpful, right? And I've joked about this before where, um, you know, we, we face a, a crisis or some situation as family or as a couple. And uh, I'll tell Dan, like, I, I will do my part by staying up all night tonight worrying about this. And isn't this what we do? <laughs> you may not, you may not have trouble falling asleep, but then you wake up and all the worries creep in. That's when you worry about things. That's, and how many times have you worried about something in the middle of the night for hours, even have trouble falling back asleep because this is so heavily weighing on your mind. And then when you get up the next morning in the daylight, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. I, I'm always reminded when I'm thinking about these issues that we worry about, um, that my daughter Gabby years ago, somehow, okay, she's the sixth of eight children. And somehow she missed the memo that your teeth fall out in kindergarten. <laughs> I know. How? What? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we didn't read her the books. Um, well, you know, the one with the little bunny whose tooth comes out in the ice cream. Like we did this. And this is uh, one of the perils of parenting a larger than average size family. You think you did the thing with the kid, but maybe you didn't. You think you think you said the thing. You think everybody knows, but maybe they don't. I mean, you know, for important things, yeah, that's an issue. That's a problem, something to address. But for smaller things, maybe like your teeth falling out. I don't know. Um, letting them know that that's a normal and healthy thing and something they should be excited about. That's fun. Um, I don't know. I missed telling Gabby that. And anyway, it caused her all of this anxiety when she came to me one day and she was really in a panic and she was like, my tooth is loose. And I was like, oh, great. And she's like, what do you mean? And she had no idea what I was talking about. So I had to explain to her while her tooth was loose that it was going to fall out. And oh my gosh, you know, and, and my Gabby, she, she tends in this direction anyway. So it turned into this gigantic dramatic situation where I was trying to explain to her that this is a normal thing, that your, your tooth 
gets loose and it comes out and um, you know, it's a milestone and more teeth are going to fall out and new ones are going to grow in. And wow, this is a great thing. She was not buying it. And she was so anxiety ridden about this situation. I mean, she finally accepted that this was okay and she wasn't, you know, unhealthy. Um, but she still was very anxious about this loose tooth in her mouth. She was worried she was going to swallow it. She was worried it was going to bleed all over the place. She was worried about a thousand things. And she you know, went through this dramatic situation for mm, several days before that tooth finally came out. She was wiggling it. She was talking about it. She was obsessing about it, asking questions about it, just constantly fiddling with it, always worried about it. And went on and on for so many days that I was like sick of it. I'm like, please let this tooth just come out. And finally it did. And I was just struck by the fact that once it came out, you know, she was holding it in her hand and she turned to me and she said, it felt so much bigger in my mouth. It's a little tiny little bit of a tooth in her hand, right? And it really struck me because this is what we do, isn't it? You may not be worried about your teeth, but whatever it is you're worried about, before you get your hands on it, before you can hold it and see it for what it is, our tendency is to worry and to make it a much bigger thing than it is, turn it into a much bigger deal. And that's how it was with Gabby. And so it is with us. And I try to remember Gabby and her tooth sometimes and think to myself, okay, it's, it just feels so big right now. It's so much smaller in your hand. And that's what God wants us to remember, that he's got it in his hand. He knows how small it is. It feels big to us. It feels like a big deal. And he knows that. But worrying the times when we're tempted to worry, we need to remember that that should be a little nudge toward God, toward trusting God, toward prayer, putting it firmly back into God's hands, understanding it's not yet in our hands. We can't control that thing. So don't let worrying become the thing you do when there's something of concern going on. That's not helpful. Being paralyzed by worry is not helpful to you or anybody else that you might be worried about. Use it. In, instead of worrying, use that um, as a trigger to think, okay, uh, turn to prayer first and foremost, but then what can I do right now? What thing can I do to address this situation? Maybe absolutely nothing. So then in that case, look for something helpful, positive, productive, life-affirming that you can do separated from that. Um, when one of my sisters was having surgery, I remember talking to one of my other sisters, you know, we're the prayer network in the background while this is going on. And, you know, we were sharing about <laughs> how much we were getting done uh, that day because we were trying to preoccupy ourselves because there's nothing you can do. If someone you love is having surgery and you're worried about it, you can't do anything until you hear on the other side all is well, hopefully. Um, but, you know, kind of having that nervous, anxious energy, use it for something. We were cleaning our houses. We were organizing things. We were getting on top of the clutter in the closet and uh, cleaning the bathroom. So, you know, decide if there's something you can do. And there might be, you know, even if it's a situation that you're worried about, um, there might be some small thing that you can do toward addressing it. Do it. Rather than sitting there worrying and feeling like you're all set, you're taking care of the situation because you are preoccupied with worry, remember, that's a huge, fat waste of time. Don't do that. Don't use that as a replacement for the action that you can take. And instead, first and foremost, most importantly, use it as a nudge toward prayer. It's an invitation. God allows us to experience these things that cause us anxiety because he wants to invite us into a deeper relationship with him. 
He wants us to grow in trust. We're made for it. We're built for it. This is how we're going to find happiness is an understanding that God is in charge of it all and placing our trust in him. That's where it all comes from. We've talked about this before on the podcast that trust really is that foundational thing, that foundational part of our relationship with God. He's always asking us to trust him. We're always resisting. It's the human inclination to resist. And we've talked before about how a lack of trust is the foundation for every sin we might ever commit. A lack of trust in the goodness of God. Going all the way back to Eve in the garden, when the serpent came to her, he didn't say, hey, look how delicious that fruit is. He said, God is lying to you. You won't die if you eat that fruit. He knows you'll become like him. He's keeping the good stuff away from you. He put that little seed of doubt in her mind, and we still suffer from that today. He's still planting those seeds of doubts in our own minds. Be aware of that. Be aware of when you're falling prey to that, to those suggestions that God is not good, that we can't trust him, that we have to take good things for ourselves if we're going to have them. Those are the seeds of doubt that the evil one will plant in your mind, and he's hoping you'll respond to them by spiraling downward in the lack of trust and worry. And yet God, in those moments, is inviting you into a deeper relationship with him, inviting you to affirm your trust in him, even if you don't feel it yet. Fake it till you make it. Say those words, Jesus, I trust in you. You know, I find it helpful sometimes to just change a little bit the words of that prayer. Jesus, I trust in you. If you're not feeling it yet, you can say, Jesus, I place my trust in you. I like saying that, or I place all my trust in you. Because just that little word change kind of affirms for me that this is a choice I'm making. I am choosing to place my trust in you, Lord. I have the opportunity to do that. I can choose if I'm going to trust you or not. It's a choice, not a feeling. And I'm choosing to trust in you. It's, it's a slightly different wording that really kind of changes how I think about it. So you might find that helpful when you're tempted to worry to kind of Respond positively to that invitation to grow in trust by making that choice to place your trust in God. Okay, so don't waste your time worrying. All right, next one I'm going to talk about, related to worrying, kind of along the same lines, complaining. Hmm, do you do this? We all do this sometimes. And I know I for sure can fall into negative patterns of thinking. And oftentimes this is related to the worrying. If you allow yourself to spiral downward in worry, turns into negative patterns of thinking. Before you know it, those are the things coming out of your mouth. Complaints, negativity, whining, looking at the bad side of everything. So, you know, it's normal to notice things that are wrong. You know, some of us more so than others. Um, those of us who are more of a melancholic temperament, and I know and love and live with some of these, will always notice the one little thing that's wrong. Fantastic things can be going on, but that one little flaw stands out to you. You have this tendency toward perfectionism or just an eye for, you know, symmetry in your life, <laughs> physically or even, you know, just in uh, spiritual ways or emotional ways. The one little flaw stands out to you, the one little thing, and it bothers you, and you'll say it out loud. That'll be your response to point out the one thing that's wrong. And we can get into that habit of thinking, which is a negative habit. It doesn't make you happy. Negative thinking doesn't make you happy. And negative talking 
Complaining doesn't make the people around you happy either. It it feeds into your own negativity, which isn't going to make you happy, but it's a really negative thing to experience. You, we've all seen it. You know, think of Eeyore. Do you want to hang out with Eeyore? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, he's kind of funny, but not really kind of annoying that somebody would be constantly pointing out the negative, right? And always be woe is me and have kind of a, a victim mentality. That That's one of the worst things that comes out of complaining. The more you complain, the more you're kind of forming your worldview around this negativity. And, you know, you're becoming a, a victim or you're, you're considering yourself a victim in all circumstances, noticing the things that are wrong. So that's very negative, it's a very negative way to approach the world, a very negative way to approach your relationships with other people. So if you know that you have this tendency, this is part of your temperament, you notice the wrong thing, well, then this is something that you can work on. Being aware of it is really helpful. I find it's really helpful to know your temperament. If you've never taken one of those temperament quizzes, do it. Find out what your tendencies are. Uh, you know, we've talked about temperaments and all the different kinds of personality quizzes here on the podcast before. I love these because self-knowledge is power. Knowing what your tendencies are isn't an excuse for bad behavior. It's an explanation for why you might tend to do certain things or think a certain way. And then you can work with that. You can know what the strengths are of that temperament and you can know what the weaknesses are. So if it is a weakness of yours to tend toward the negative and to complain, you've been called upon to work on that. That's not something that's going to serve you well or the people around you. And, you know, how many of us make a habit of complaining to our husbands? I need to mention this because... I am actually a positive person for the most part. I, I have my moments, but I tend to be positive. And yet, if I'm going to fall into a negative pattern of thinking or behaving or speaking out loud, it's going to be with Dan, poor guy. And of course, this is because this is the person you're closest to or should be the person you're closest to and most comfortable with. Your most intimate relationship is with your spouse. And so it's easy to kind of fall into that. Well, this is the one person... I can let it all out with. This is the one person I can tell what I'm really thinking, right? And yes, on a certain level, that is appropriate. That is good. That is a great gift in your marriage to have that level of intimacy and openness, that safe place where you can really express yourself and you know share all that you're thinking and all that's going on and all that you're worried about. Yes, but there's a limit. You don't want it to become this negative pattern of the way that you communicate with your husband that you're always just complaining to him always just pointing out the negative to him, talking about all the wrong things going on in your world. I know I can for sure fall into this habit and it's not helpful. It's not, it doesn't make you um, a positive person to be around and you don't want to be kind of establishing those negative patterns of behavior inside of your marriage. Not gonna, it's not gonna be helpful. You're gonna, they're gonna dread their time with you if it turns into just a complaint session every time, especially, ladies, especially if it's about stuff he can't do anything about, because you know, and I know, when you complain to your husband, he loves you and men are triggered to do things, to respond, to fix it, to see a problem, fix it. See a nail, they are the hammer that is going to smash it, right? They're fixing problems. This is a great gift of masculine genius. I, I, I know that's not a common phrase, but it should be because they have their own genius, we have our feminine genius. They have their masculine genius. There are things about each of us that are unique because we are male, because we are female. Our unique strengths and gifts, they have those. And one of them is this fixing, this 
rising to action, wanting to serve you and the people that he loves in this way. And so if you are always complaining, what is he always hearing? That he is a loser and he has failed at his job to make you happy. He's not doing it, right? And, you know, we've talked about this before. It is not your husband's job to make you happy. But in many times, in many life circumstances, I know Dan considers it his job. If I'm unhappy, he wants to fix it. And he feels like it is his job to do it. Like he wants to be protecting me, defending me, making me happy. Whatever problem I'm bringing to him, he wants to fix it. It's a beautiful gift inside of your married relationship. Do not abuse it by complaining all the time. So you leave the poor guy feeling like he's messing up all the time or he's failing all the time and not not living up to his duties. So that, of course, I understand and I know is not your intention, but be aware of the kinds of negative habits you might be falling into with regard to communication with your spouse, with regard to complaining, getting into that habit of complaining to the point where it does affect your relationship in that negative way that you may not have been aware of. Just give that a little bit of thought. Instead, replace your negativity with gratitude. This is such an antidote. I've done multiple episodes about being more grateful because it is so important, such an important life skill to be focusing on the positive in whatever way you possibly can and being grateful. Even inside of life's most trying moments, there's something to be grateful for. Look for it. Speak it out loud. Say thank you to the people in your life even for little things. Speak out loud those little things you're grateful for in your day, whether it's nice, you know, beautiful, sunny day, whether you're grateful for the rain, whether you're grateful for your washing machine or grateful for your job or um, a friendly neighbor or a chat with a, a, a neighbor or a sister who supports you in your life. Whatever good things you have in your life, Say thank you for them. Say thank you to the people who give them to you, who provide them for you, whether it's service or gifts or time spent together. And say thank you out loud to, you know, your husband, to your kids for the things they do for you. But then let them hear you be grateful for the things that God has given you, whether it's, you know, your work or your home or your car or um, a friendship that's important to you or an opportunity that you have or, you know, your community that you live in, whatever good things you have in your life, be grateful for them. Don't be complaining about the things you don't have. So frustrating to be around somebody who's focused on the negative and missing all the blessings. And it's so easy to do that. I understand it. So if you're hearing a little bit of yourself in this, let this be your wake-up call. Let this be your check-in. Don't do that. Replace that habit of negativity with one of positivity. Even if it feels like you're faking it in the beginning, even if it feels forced, do it. Write down the things you're grateful for. Say three things you're grateful for in your prayer time. Or, you know, make sure three times a day you are thanking somebody for something that you wouldn't normally thank them for, that you normally take for granted. Look for those positives and say them out loud. That's going to be your antidote if you've fallen into this bad habit of complaining. Okay? Don't waste your time. Huge waste of time in everybody's time. Negative outcome every time. Okay? So don't fall into that habit of complaining. So those are the first two, worrying and complaining. And the last one really is a little bit more about productivity. And it's one that comes to mind all the time. This is the way we waste our time. And here it is. Procrastinating. What are some ways that you're procrastinating? One that I want to mention because I do this one. It's a nice creative way to procrastinate. Say you have a deadline for something 
um, all of a sudden you have this great urge to clean your entire house, like in ways you never did before, right? You're being productive. It's great. But you're avoiding that thing that you know you're supposed to be doing. Um, I do this all the time <laughs> with with work deadlines, with writing deadlines. Oh, it can be a killer. My, my house gets so clean. <laughs> it's so stupid. And yet it's human nature. It's a normal tendency. Um, so look for ways that you might be procrastinating that don't feel like your typical procrastinating. It can be easy to get bogged down in the details of writing a perfect email to someone and not even realize I'm doing this because I'd rather be spending time on this rather than, you know, taking on making that phone call that I don't want to make or, um, you know, doing something around your house or uh, something with your kids or, you know, whatever it is that you are putting off. Um, just do it. I know that's easier said than done. So let's talk about this a little bit. So we need to hold ourselves accountable for the things that we we ought to be doing. And, um, you know, you can say it out loud what things you ought to be doing. That can help to hold you accountable. Maybe you're going to start out, get your just dip your toe in the water, say it out loud to yourself. One way to say it out loud to yourself is to write down some of your goals. What are they? You can do this in big ways, like my goals for 2021, you know, a big list of general goals. Or maybe you want to do this in a very specific way. Just when you get up in the morning, write down three things you want to do and then circle the one that's most important. Okay. And they can be things you have to do. Um, but just kind of getting your priorities set like that is actually a really helpful way to structure your day and prioritize what, what you're taking on. Um, just make it that simple. I know there are all these, and, and maybe some of these resources help you. I kind of tend to get bogged down if like with these kind of journals that walk you through setting your goals every day and all the steps that will lead up to it. And you have daily goals and weekly goals and monthly goals. And, you know, if you like that, go for it. Um, but I find it's helpful to be even simpler than that. Like when I get up in the morning, what are the three things I want to slash need to accomplish today? There might be something that has a deadline to it. There might be an appointment you must go to. There might be a phone call you need to make. Um, or maybe you're going, you have a plan to, you know, make a special dinner or get caught up on some household chore, whatever it is. Just write three of them down, the three that come to mind as the most important, and then circle the most important one. Like, speak out loud, at least to yourself in writing, that that's a priority for you, that you want to do that. And how many times have you put off something? This is a helpful reminder. And then when you actually go to do it, like you've been dreading this for weeks, months, maybe, when you actually go to do it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> you know? I've done this. I've done this with writing projects where I feel like it's this big daunting thing and I'm putting it off and I'm dreading it. Like, oh, I can't possibly even begin that project. Ugh, it's going to be so huge. And then, I, you know, I finally go to do it pretty close to the deadline. And then I'm kicking myself because I'm like, first of all, I wasted all that time and energy dreading this thing because it's not a big deal. And second of all, I feel like now I'm time crunched to do it and I could have possibly done a better job. How many times have you experienced that? I could have done a better job if I had left more time for it. Yeah, yeah. It's a harsh reality that we need to face when we tend to procrastinate. So say it out loud. Hold yourself accountable. Remind yourself how much easier things feel. Sometimes you just need to do that one little thing. Get it started. That's the hardest thing. We've done whole shows about procrastinating because it is such an issue for so many of us. But 
do the one first little thing. And remember, diligence is a virtue. That's, you know, obedience is about just showing up. And I have made a habit ever since um, reading In the School of the Holy Spirit by Father Jacques Philippe. If you haven't read it, really recommend it. I think we've talked about him here before. I love his books. And it's a short read. It's a little book packed with so much wisdom. And it really kind of helps you get your mind straight about approaching your prayer life by being open to the Holy Spirit, being open to God's will. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how becoming a saint isn't about something you're going to do all by yourself and you got to struggle through. It's about being open to allowing the Holy Spirit to make you a saint, allowing God to make you a saint, not necessarily something you're going to do yourself. And so after reading that book, um, and now now I'm talking about it, I want to go back and read it, but I'm reading a different Jacques Philippe book right now. I'm reading Interior Freedom, which is beautiful. And I recommend that one as well. Uh, I can just tell you, I recommend every single book by Father Jacques Philippe. But okay, we can do a whole show on some of these. Um, But being open to the Holy Spirit means obeying immediately. And this is something I've been working on, like I said, since I read that book, just being open open in, in, in my prayer life, asking for the Holy Spirit to nudge me throughout my day, asking for the Holy Spirit to push me in the right directions, to inspire me with what I ought to be doing from big things to little things. And the more I've become aware of this, the, the more I realize just how much God is working in our lives, just how much He cares about some of these very little things. And if I frame it in that way, when I have a sudden inspiration, like, um, you know, how should I spend this next 30 minutes? And I, I think, oh, you should call your sister. I'm, I'm very aware that this is a good thing. This is a good thing that I'm being, I'm being pushed toward. And there can be a good reason for that. And yeah, it's not like some miraculous thing every time, but I think practicing that spirit of obedience leads to beautiful spiritual fruit within your own soul, first of all, being open to God's will in that way. But it's led to wonderful things for me. Sometimes I've been inspired to ask somebody a question, or I've been inspired, like I said, to make a phone call, and things come from it that I never could have anticipated, and I have to thank God for that because I know the inspiration to do it came from Him. And the more you practice being open to the Holy Spirit, the the more you can respond to God's will in that way, and the more you're going to be inspired to practice what I used to call with my kids when they were little. We would call it right-away obedience. And what it meant was, you know, mom tells you it's time to stop playing, pick up your toys and um, get ready because we're going out in the car. And um, rather than say, yeah, okay, and then keep playing for five more minutes, right away obedience means saying, yes, mom, standing right up and doing it right away, even if you don't feel like it. It's a beautiful virtue to cultivate in yourself, a, a beautiful virtue to be aware of cultivating in your kids, helping them be aware of that right away obedience, but then apply it to yourself with regard to the Holy Spirit. Be aware of what God might be nudging you toward doing. And when you have that thought, that thing you should do, do it. It might be something you've been dreading. It might be something you've been putting off for weeks. Get up and start doing it. Sometimes that's all you need to do is get started. And that's the hardest part. Um, But God's going to reward that. He's going to reward that little act of obedience. It's really a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful virtue to cultivate in yourself. So that's what I want to encourage you to think about with regard to how you waste your time with procrastination 
is be open to the Holy Spirit, the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Holy Spirit isn't always going to say like, now is the time to do your laundry. It might not be a, you know, a moral decision in every single moment, but applying that standard to even the everyday ins and outs of your days is actually a wonderful way to keep God as part of your everyday decisions be, be thinking about what, what God's will is and put all of this into perspective, but then also just cultivate that virtue of obedience, um, that virtue of diligence, just getting up and doing the thing, even when you don't feel like it. And the more you make it a habit, the easier it becomes, I can tell you. It's never going to become super easy to do things that you don't enjoy, but it becomes much easier the more you work on it and the more you make it a habit. Okay, so those are my three. They are worrying, complaining, and procrastinating. So if you see yourself, hear yourself in any of these things, I want to encourage you to think about them. Think about the time that you are wasting. You've been given one lifetime, a set amount of time, set number of hours to live your life here on earth. Do not waste it with any of those three things. All right, we've got just a little bit more coming up, but first we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now, for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure Studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback. If you would like to provide listener feedback, first and foremost, you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can record a voice memo on your phone, send it to me at that address. I'd love to add your voice to a future episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. If you have any feedback about today's show, today's topics, or any topics we've been taking up here, or if you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like me to take up on a future episode of Girlfriends, I would love to hear from you because I love for this show to represent what you need, what you want, the things that you are struggling with. I want to speak to them. So let me know what those are. Email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. So this week, I'm going to be sharing an email that I received from listener Abby. And I love this, love, love, love this, because I've shared with you before that sometimes people want me to take on topics that I don't have direct experience with. So I don't feel like I can take on those topics. Sometimes I solve that by having a guest on who can speak on those topics. Um, but then sometimes I hear from an awesome listener. And this is the case with Abby here. So I hear from young listeners, single women on a regular basis who say, how about providing something that's specifically for us? Because, you know, I'm single, 
don't want to be single, struggling with this identity as single, wondering if I'll ever get married, want to be married, not finding the right person, all of these things. And yet I feel like, what what am I going to say that's not going to sound like trite or condescending to somebody who's experiencing that kind of struggle when I'm not experiencing it? So here's some great words of wisdom from Abby who can really speak to it. I shortened it just a little bit for sharing here, but what she shares is so wonderful. So she says, Dear Danielle, I'm a fairly new listener and wanted to first say that I'm loving your show. You have a genuinely positive attitude and so comforting with the ways you talk of faith. The show has certainly been a blessing for me over the last month. A couple of things really struck me in the last few episodes about young women finding love, and I wanted to share my story. On August 22nd, in two and a half weeks, so... This is um, maybe going to have come and gone by the time this podcast airs. But, you know, God's outside of time. We are praying for Abby. Okay. I am marrying the love of my life. I'm 35. He's 34. Neither of us have been married or engaged. And we both found love with each other for the first time in our lives. Like so many young women, I didn't think I'd ever find someone that I could love unconditionally and that would love me just the same. I'd like to share a few lessons I learned along the way to get where I am. If you'd like to share with others, that's perfectly fine. I wish I would have had more people tell me, it's okay, it will work out, other than my mom, because she has to. (laughs) Good point. All right. So here are the things that Abby shares. First of all, never underestimate the power of prayer. My aunt told me this during the insanity of Hurricane Katrina, and it has stuck with me. I prayed often for someone to come into my life that I could share in love and faith. And now I pray in Thanksgiving every day that I've been blessed with such love. Ask and you shall receive. Number two, trust your gut. I refused to settle and would go on dates and just know that something wasn't right. The opposite went for my fiance. We were set up on a blind date, completely blind. We didn't know what the what each other looked like and didn't have each other's numbers. We were told when and where to meet. I thought he was really attractive, but wasn't sure if we had enough in common. Yet I knew I needed to give it another shot and go on a second date. That second date was one of the best nights of my life. And we still talk about how much fun we had. Be open and trust God. I listened to myself and I listened to God. We were set up by people who loved us and I knew that God would have led me, wouldn't have led me down a road that wasn't right. Here we are 18 months later about to partake in the sacrament of marriage and we are both so excited and so happy. Hopefully this will help some of the young women who listen to your show or even older women finding love for the first time in their lives. Again, thank you for your uplifting words and I look forward to listening for years to come. Abby. Thank you so much, Abby. I love everything about your email. I love your spirit of generosity. Um, August 22nd is the feast of the Queenship of Mary, isn't it? Yes. And what a beautiful day to get married. And now I'm going to remember you on that date. And I'm inviting every other listener here now to please pray for Abby and her fiance, her soon-to-be husband on that date or leading up to that date. May God bless your marriage. Thank you for your generous spirit. Thank you for sharing your experience with others who might be experiencing similar things. And thank you for sharing your positivity, your words of affirmation and encouragement. So anybody who's listening, who's finding yourself in that, feeling frustrated inside of a situation where life isn't what you thought it would be, isn't what you planned. It's not, it's not working out on your timetable. Take some words of encouragement from Abby and know that God has a plan for you. And so those, those things she mentions, not underestimating the power of prayer, trusting your gut and being open 
and trusting God. So important, important for anybody who is frustrated with any particular details of their life situation. Um, But any young women listening who find themselves in that situation, um, know that I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for Abby and her new marriage. And I'll be praying for those of you who struggle in that unique way in the coming weeks. So um, I hope you take some encouragement and uh, positivity from, from Abby's experience. Thank you again for that feedback, Abby. If you would like to send feedback like Abby, if you have something you want to share with fellow listeners of the Girlfriends podcast, email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or reach out to me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You know how to find me. No excuses. All right. That's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of today's show. It's so important to me to be able to connect with you here week after week. I'm so encouraged. I'm so affirmed by the fact that you guys show up, that you want to spend some time with me each week in the way that I want to be connecting with you each week. That is so important to me. I love that you're here. I love that you are a part of the Girlfriends Podcast. Thank you for being a part of this community. And until next time, I hope you will enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.